You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey there, welcome to episode 131 of Push the Point, presented by the Mash Those Buttons Podcast Network, your source for Overwatch League news, player updates, storylines, and more for season five of the Overwatch League. I'm your host, Ramses. Thanks for being here. Follow us on Twitter at PushPointPOD. Leave us an email at PushThePointGmail.com. I am at Ramses underscore OW. He's at Labosco on Twitter. Labosco, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, it's another week or another month, I should say. And we're in the month where Overwatch is starting, which is weird to yeah. think. Like, it doesn't I, feel like it, but we're there. We're, we are within a, like a, we're, we're within a month, I think, right? April 6th? Okay, so a month and three days as of when we're recording this. But a month and three days, we're like right on the doorstep. April 6th or May 6th? May 6th. Okay. I was going to say April 6th would be in three days. I was like, wait, what? Okay. So, yeah, season starting in about a month month and a couple days. Beta dropping in less than a month. Which I'm, you know, hopefully we'll get to get our chance to to get our hands in the game and and, uh, play it when that happens. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah, I'm hoping. I know I've already had Geo reaching out to me, but like, so like, when are we going to play? When are we going to play Overwatch 2? Which like, God willing, if all three of us get in there, Geo, I got you. We'll, we'll play some mm-hmm. Overwatch 2. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know they're doing, I guess, except for certain, like, they're doing random selection for people who aren't like, I guess, like upper level, like streamers or maybe uh, content creators. From what I've heard, um, we'll see. So. Hoping we get in, because um, yeah. I there's a lot of it I would like to play. Um, we're going to start with um, our Overwatch League news, kind of do some more general game news. Um, and then, of course, we have our ABK um, news roundup at the end of the show uh, to get through. So biggest Overwatch League news story, I think we'll just talk about, talk about the very front of the show. Um, Super announced his retirement, actually. Um you, you'll remember him as like a main tank for the San Francisco Shock, part of both their championship rosters, um, a player from season one um, all the way to here. And he announced a couple about a week or so from when we're recording this um, that he would be retiring from Overwatch competition. Um, it, it comes kind of as maybe not a surprise, but I guess a turn that we were hoping maybe wasn't going to come. Um, Super was one of, I believe, two people who was still a season one player who was still in the league. It was him. I'm not sure who else it was. Striker. It was him. Stri- well, who's been there concurrently the whole time, I think. Well, Striker technically was. He retired partway through the season. Yeah, I know. There was like there was a special there, there was an actual count of like it was Super and I think one other person. Who had been there like from season one and who hadn't missed, who hadn't retired and missed any time? Probably Bird um, Ring, right? Wouldn't it have been Bird Ring? No, who who was still going to be in the league for oh, season into five. this in next yeah. season? Oh, then um, um, would it be Fleta? I think yes, it'd be Fleta. It'd be Fleta. It'd be Fleta. Yeah. So yeah, super another 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 season one boy gone. Um, 
This was kind of a big blow to the community for sure. When you look at streamer is probably the number one, sorry, super is the number one streamer just for Overwatch. As far as like a player that I would say, a professional player streaming the game, he is the number one. Um, he's somebody that you and I have talked about. We've seen, we've assumed he was going to be making this the jump to streaming full time at some point. We just didn't know when. Um, and it sounds like he he put out a statement a couple of days ago um, that he had had reservations about whether or not he was going to be able to do another season for a while. Um, and he really thought that he had it in him to play again, give it one last run. Unfortunately, while preparing for the 2022 season with scrims and playing the game competitively, it made me realize I don't have it in me nearly as much as I thought. I realized how much I had lost the, comp- the passion to compete and how much it was wrecking me mentally and emotionally. This was a decision that loomed over me for a very long time now, and I feel this is something I have to do for myself. It pains me to say this, but I realize that staying would sacrifice my own happiness sacrifice my own happiness and health eventually bringing my team down in the long run which is something i would never want to do and number one you and i've talked about this before that for these players the number one thing you have to do in the esports world i think just in kind of the competitive world in general is you have to take care of yourself you have to take care of your mental health you have to take care of your body you do have to make sure that you're doing the best by yourself and for as much as we would love to see Super going forward in the league, it's more important that he's healthy and he's in a good spot. Yeah, I I mean, we we also don't know. Maybe maybe he wasn't adjusting well enough to uh, 5v5 as well. Maybe that was something that was causing him to have this distress as well. We don't know. I mean, that would I'm not saying that is, but but that is potentially something, too. So. The whatever it was that led to this, I think that he came to a decision that he feels like he should. And honestly, I mean, like you said, we've talked about it before. We kind of always expected him to do this at some point. It was just a matter of when. Uh, maybe it's a little bit sooner than some people had thought, but he has what what left does he really need to prove? Whenever there's a Hall of Fame, he'll be in it. Well, and like, remember this last season that a kind of the media package they had put together was they had put together kind of the media package, like based off of the uh, the last dance, like Michael Jordan documentary. Remember? Yeah, it was really heavily informed of like that. This was kind of like it didn't explicitly say like he's going to be done after this. But the the general like theme of it was that like this is like the last run for that specific group of guys for. Yeah. For the team, which. I mean, you still have a couple of them there, but I mean, Super was one of them. Not a couple, you got one. Oh, yeah, I guess it would be only one now. That's right, jeez. But still, the, the one of the main anchors of that team since season one was Super. So mm-hmm. it is a loss. It is something that uh, the league's going to miss a personality like him. I mean, that doesn't mean he's necessarily done completely with the league, but... I, I still think one of the biggest problems that Overwatch has that some other esports don't is um, sure we have good players that we know of, but the personalities we don't have anymore, right? Yeah, like like you've lost a lot of those. Um, yeah, I, I, like I'm not even thinking like professional players too. I'm just thinking like Overwatch um, personalities, right? You know, Moon Moon and, and people of that nature have moved on long ago. Right. Tim, the tant man is another one who comes to mind, like guys who were so big as not just streamers, but as personalities where like you wanted them at different events. Right. Like you think about BlizzCon and the stuff uh, when, when they had the BlizzCon event where they had it was like what Moon and Seagull and I forget who else was on stage that they did. Like you don't have 
the same powerhouse personalities around that you had before. Like, sure, you know, XQC has been playing here and there. You just don't have it, though. You don't have anybody who's dedicated the way that they were before. And even people who were dedicated before, they aren't dedicated in the same way as they once were to Overwatch. Well, and Tim does his yearly um, plays Overwatch for a week, kind of sabbatical. I think he goes back to his normal stuff. Yeah. I agree. It's like we, you and I have discussed this off stream before that there hasn't really been a reward for I maybe not. That might not be the right way of saying it, but it has not been a game that kind of rewards that at all. And it definitely seems like straight up from a game perspective, that's true, but also from a community involvement, or I guess more from a corporate involvement, there's not been a lot that has motivated people to do that. So, well, there's no draw, right? Like there's no draw um, unless you're pro, like where's the draw in doing something Overwatch related, right? Like you do, you know, regular Overwatch videos. Like I know that we've, you know, guys like flats do some enjoyable videos and stuff like that. But at the same time, like how many views is flats getting on his videos on like, uh on youtube you know oh of course uh, he, well, and like he's getting decent views but is he getting the views of somebody who's doing like valorant videos of the same sort of nature you know what i mean or even or apex videos like i think the biggest one let me check i to my knowledge i feel like the biggest one would be like i don't know how many people bro you whack is pulling in per stream um I know his numbers are pretty decent, but yeah, it's I agree. The personalities have not really been there. And I, I remember seeing a tweet years ago, even that still feels very true. It's like the best the best part about Overwatch is the is in in so many words, the tweet said, like, the best part about Overwatch is how it is, how it, it brings in personalities who get on who go on to be way bigger for other games. That 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 is what happens a lot of the time. It's not a lie. I mean, you think mm-hmm. about people who left Overwatch, they did nothing but get bigger. I mean, XQC, a prime example, Moon Moon, these people we've already mentioned, even for professional players, we've seen some of them get even bigger professionally in other games than they did in Overwatch, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, 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 there is a lot of truth to be said about that. And, and you know, we've been talking about outside of the professional realm personalities, but inside the professional realm is another problem as well, because, like, you know, Fled is an incredible player, but is he a personality? You know, how many supers do you have in the league anymore? Oh, I agree. You know, I mean, realistically, the only person that comes to mind for me is space. And even then, space is like when you look as far as like the level of personality, space is definitely there and he has it, but he is not. He has not been able to elevate himself in that way, the same way that like super has or any of those other guys well, were and, doing. Right. And that's the other thing, too. Like space. I don't think I've heard about anything from him, you know, in forever. You know, like, like streams, space, space is literally fun. Sh- but he, he's streaming right now to 75 people, though. 75. Mm-hmm. Now my counter breaks while I'm looking at it. Yeah. You know, that that's one of your best personalities is doing 87. A former pro who's retired, you know, who might come back, he might not, and Surefor is playing Overwatch right now and has like 2,000 people watching him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and there's a discussion that's meant that I think we could have. We don't have time. But there's a discussion that we even could have that like, from a purely pro player standpoint as well, 
the way the league works and the way that like they have kind of attempted to keep such a tight handle on things has really kind of disincentivized those kinds of personalities from coming out. It's we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I was thinking, you know, it's funny. Uh, YouTube is the main platform um, that everything Overwatch is on, right? Because of the deal and everything with the Overwatch League. Um, mm-hmm. over, uh, YouTube has a much better discoverability algorithm than than Twitch does. And yet you don't have any of these Overwatch people blowing up who are just doing specifically Overwatch. Mm-hmm. It's It's kind of funny to think about. Yeah, it definitely seems like it just continues to get smaller and smaller and more segmented and more segmented each time. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we had said earlier, it's a huge blow to the community for super retiring. Um, it's something that none of us are excited about, but it, it's more important than anything is that he's taking care of himself. Yeah. Um, we are going to be very sad to see him go. He says he'll still be doing as much for the shock as he can. He'll still be around the communities where he's saying, we'll see how that goes. Um, We'll, we would love to have him in whatever capacity he is willing to be here because um, we definitely need him. Um, and the San yeah. Francisco Shock brought in another tank to fill the the uh, this tank spot for them. They brought in a guy who's had a little bit of history, both good and controversial, um, player by the name of Kaluge. Uh, Kaluge is a guy who, if you are a contender's old head like Christopher here or... Um, I keep calling you by your birth name on here, and I keep realizing that like you're most people refer to you by your last name, which is your tag. Yeah, I mean, most people call me by my last name in life, but, anyways, even my regular life. So it's yeah, I'm it sorry. is funny that you do that. I was out here accidentally doxing you all the time. Um, I mean, my my name's already out there to the public. You're not really doxing me. I've already doxed num- myself number- by that. Number one, One Piece Stan and Contenders Old Head Christopher. Um, so Kaluge is a player who's played for a long time. He's been around the community for a long time. Um, currently with Maryville Esports, although he's signed to the shock. Um, so he'll be able to go over there once he completes his transition to a full-time role. Um, once the semester's over, um, he has been around literally since 2017, like since almost launch, uh, most notably for a team that you may remember called goats had some, uh, future overwatch league players on it like gator um <laughs> xqc for that one point of time <laughs> um very like when we talk about the comp like this is the team is goats yeah um he, and he is the guy for goats is kalouche with gator um played some time with wave check second wind american tornado he's been off and on retired um dark mode na uh the, the reason the reason why he is the reason why he kind of has some history to him, some backstory is he was suspended from Overwatch League consideration for a long time, at least according to Wikipedia, um, for making some and I'm not as 100 percent in tune with the story as I should be. But for for what I remember, making some really horrible statements, I think for saying something that was either very sexist or doing something really bad. I don't remember what exactly it was. Yeah, it's been a long time now, but he 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 had done some pretty bad things. I mean, there was even a time where I think he was supposed to be on a team, an Overwatch League team. And then like they didn't uh, they people found out and then they basically rallied and didn't want him on the team. 
Um, I forget what team it was that he was going to be on. He was like going under a different name and stuff. I think at the time too, there's the Kaluge story is one that's like long and checkered and hard to sort of follow all of it and remember all of it because it's, it's been one that's been going on for a long time. But the, the one thing for sure that I do know is that he is an incredible player. Um, that is true. Now, whether he's a good person is a completely different sort of discussion that you can have. Um, as far as his playing ability goes, there's a reason why the San Francisco Shock decided to pick him up. Um, now, how will he adjust to being on a different uh, type of team? I don't know. Uh, I, I have no idea how he's going to fit in with the San Francisco Shock, but they obviously think he's going to be a good fit. Um, yeah, looking into it, uh, he there was a lot of allegations of poor behavior and boosting. And then let's see that he had done he's done some really crappy stuff in the past it's kept him out of the game for a long time he but like you said for him to be picked up like there is a reason why this guy is picked up he's very very good he's somebody who a lot of people have said should have been in the league a while ago but because of his past behavior he was not brought in um there's a lot when he got signed there was a lot of current players People like Dante, I think people like Space, a lot of the NA crowd who were very vocal, like this guy's reformed a lot. Maybe not Dante. I don't know if it was Dante, but I remember seeing like a bunch of like talent saying like this guy's really been working hard. He's not the same person. He's really worked hard to become better. He deserves this chance. Yeah, there there, there was also rumors from uh, back when there was the stuff with the uh, with Punisher. Mm hmm. This was the other story that I kind of I don't know if those allegations were ever true, but there was allegations that Kaluge was also playing on that one account that there was the girl talking, but it was Punisher playing. Supposedly, Kaluge had was also doing that, that that's the you know, whether there's truth to it or not, I don't know. But I do remember that from that time, that was something that was discussed as something that may have happened. Whether it was admitted to or not, I have no idea. I don't think so, it was. From what it sounds like, I have a, I have a small timeline I found. Um, really toxic behavior, um, yep. both in chat, both in game and like to trial seems. Um, he's been banned a couple of times. Um, what was it called? Throwing. Um, was accused of boosting a couple of times. Uh, really horrible language. Uh, he's quit a couple of different times, but. I think between that and you saw a couple people, I know like Liz or even other people in the community saying like, all right, like you can be upset if you want, but like, let's give somebody a chance, like to change and reinvent themselves. And like, he's saying oh, that's what he's done. Like, let allow him to do that. He, I think he was really young as well. Yeah. If I remember, like it doesn't have his age listed, but I, I feel like he was a pretty young player when he first started playing as well. So, and I could be wrong about that, too. But regardless, this is his opportunity to show that he's changed um, and he's mm -hmm. either going to show that it that he has or he hasn't. And if he hasn't, then he won't be in the league for long. And I think people should. Um, I, I get the apprehensiveness of trusting leagues to do the right thing when it comes to somebody being a talented player. Um, I feel like as far as a team that has a better track record than others, I feel like the shock are one of those teams. Mm -hmm. um, not that theirs isn't necessarily perfect either, because there's definitely people who have thought that they should have done 
and punished what was it was it violet was that the one who they thought should be punished a little bit more for some of the stuff yeah. he had done so they haven't been perfect um but they've at least done something which is unfortunately a lot more than other teams have done yeah i um we like if you want any of this if there's any of the systems you trust it would be the shock uh it is interesting too because it still keeps a pretty mixed roster for them. We have the two, you have two NA players with um, Sam and with Kaluj. And then I think everybody else on the team right now is Korean. Um, which, and we mix like, we know what their plans going to be with mixed comms and everything. I, um, I, I'm interested to see how it turns out. He also, he's somebody who is, who comes from more of an off tank background. And I know the buzz that we hear from like the devs talking about like the betas and everything. It's like, oh yeah, we're really surprised at like how weak main tanks have been. It's like you play the game. Main tanks have not been strong in a while. You know, like it's off tank is the place to be. So I think that like at least for a while, I feel like off like getting somebody in who's like more of an off tank specialist is not a bad move off the top. Well, I think too, like if you look at how the game was in six v six, Bane tanks were so strong because of having an off tank, right? The way Mm -hmm. that they could do things was different when they had an off tank versus when they don't have one, right? Like, of course, main tanks aren't going to be as strong. Something that's that an off tank doesn't necessarily need the main tank to be able to do its job where the main tank sort of um, it was a more symbiotic relationship with the off tank in order to exist in the game. So. I, I don't know why they're surprised. Okay, this is the, this is one of the things that that has me doing what I'm doing right now. If you're watching on stream, where I'm putting my hand over my eyes and just you know my my hands on my head, because anybody, if you have like some semblance of um, coherent thoughts, you would realize that main tanks are something that by themselves are not very good. They are definitely something where they do better in an environment where they are enabled. Whereas Mm. an off tank is literally the point of it is to enable other people. So if you take away one of the tools of the main tank, which is the off tank, of course the main tank isn't going to be as strong. It should have been something that you realized before you even went into doing the 5v5 stuff when you were thinking about the idea. Yeah. I don't know, man. In those situations, I just always wonder, like, what game are they playing and how can I play it? Because it just feels like it's so obvious. The other well, with, with you, it's different because you, you're playing with people who don't know what they're doing as they're off tanks and you have to know what you're doing. So so it's not exactly the same as like super playing with Choyobin, right? Like, the, oh, yeah. it's a different thing. So. Like what you the way you think of things being difficult are are not necessarily the same. I just always wonder, like, I feel like a lot of those devs are probably around my level. So I'm always like, if you're like, again, I talk about TFT a lot. It's why it's one of the things I appreciate with like with Mort Dog, who's like the head dev for TFT is like he's a dude who plays that game all the time. And he's always he's up doing leaderboards and everything, but he is heavily invested in playing the game. So I feel like you get a good return on what you're working on. Um, but we're talking about Overwatch League, not TFT. Next announcement: um, the Atlanta Rain signed Speedily, who's an f- American Flex DPS player. Um, lots of time with American Tornado. Um, also known for a good stint with XL2 Academy, Sky Foxes, Team Doge. Um, the hype around this guy, at least from people who've covered contenders, that this dude is a potential 
is a heavyweight rookie. Um, it should be noted that he will not turn 18 until August 26th. Um, it should also be noted that the T that uh, the Overwatch League has quietly pushed back the age um cut off for season five to August 31st of 2022. Hmm. So he is going to be able to be he is going to be able to play in at least the last tournament or two. Interesting. Funny enough, um, I'm thinking back to the gauntlet in 2019. He was a large part of why XL2 ended up being a sort of dark horse that that really tested teams when mm. it came to bracket time. Like they upset Team Envy, who that year was pretty good. And then they lost to Atlanta Academy, who would eventually be the second place team. But they they put up a better showing than maybe some people would have thought that they were going to do. So they they were a pretty good team back then. And Speedily and KSP was the DPS duo that was doing a lot of the damage. And then Buds was a little bit involved as well at that time. So but Speedily was sort of the the linchpin of that gauntlet run. And he is somebody who I am excited when he finally does get to get into the league and play. I mean, you saw people like Lemon, like Leg Day, who are really hyping this kid up. Like, absolutely. They're like pretty much taking the claim. Like, absolutely. This is somebody who can turn tides for a team even late into the season. So we'll see what happens. The fact that they would want to lock him down now, like this far out, like that speaks a lot. Well, they want to lock him down this many months out. When you look at their team as well, I think as far as their DPS, um, you know, the DPS that they have, as far as you're concerned, like, you know, you probably feel pretty good about Kai and Nero, but like bringing in somebody like Speedily, who, who Doomfist wise is somebody who will be pretty good if you need him to do that. Obviously, I don't know how the changes are going to be for Doomfist. Um, if you like, since Doomfist is switching roles, I don't know if you have DPS play him when he switches the role or not. You know what I mean? I'm sure we'll get some very fun takes yeah. on it. Like it, I th- it, I am just assuming it's going to be a situation kind of where like, remember when Mickey played Brigitte for like two weeks and like he was quote unquote the best Brigitte just because he like for like a week or ha- and a half. And then eventually people were like, oh, this is actually how you play this character. And he kind of fell off hard. Mm-hmm. I imagine it'll be like that. We'll get a couple DPS players who come in and play Doom off the bat and do all right. And then there will be somebody who figures out the tank version of Doomfist. And I think yeah. We'll figure that out later on. Yeah. Um, some more news. Anbox has rebranded to um, NYXL across everything. So no longer is Anbox is NYXL, New York Excelsior owned it. Owned, wow. Owned it. Owned by Anbox. The entire organization is that including the COD. The COD team is, I think, called the now the New York, the NYFU. Are they really? I think they've been renamed to that. Let me double check that. It is like NYFU. What? Um, pretty much they're going to be, it's part of a move to, um, invest heavily in New York gaming as in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. I mean, NYXL was their strongest brand though, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I don't know how many people were going hard for the subliners, but I mean, like people forget to like NYVM, NYVL. Okay. I could have sworn it was NYFU because I saw people memeing about it. But like people forget, like this is such a dumb term to say for it, like definitely. But like 
that first two season and a half of New York, when they have those exclusive merch drops, like when they had their own, like there was a style and just like a coolness to that team that was so freaking enviable if you were anybody else who in the league. Well, and, so I mean, like, and there was personality to the team. Yeah. So, I mean, we're capitalizing on it four years too late, but I mean, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, again, the, their strongest brand is the Excelsior, which is a good thing for them. But at the same time, man, the whole Andbox thing was never, I never understood that anyways. But I do like the idea of, you know, New York being and YXL being the brand that you want to push, it makes sense. It's it's a good brand. Um, you know, the logo went when everybody first saw it, you weren't sure what to think, but it, but it ended up turning out so cool. So mm-hmm. th- there, there's definitely some good uh, ideas that can happen because of it. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I um, <laughs> okay. I, NYFU I'm not... is still something, but is not. Oh, what is it? Uh. Is that their Valorant team now? That might be their Valorant team or something. Yeah. NYFU is their Valorant team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Oh, dude. Do you remember a couple years ago, Fusion Uni with those FU jerseys that were awesome? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I I remember them. For our BlizzCon, Totem had one where it was like the classic FU one with just all the mini FU logos on it. That was a good one. Yeah. Totem. My boy Totem is the only person I've ever seen to rock a Zachary jersey. So... Props to Totem. Hey, um, somebody had to buy some of those jerseys. Somebody had to buy them. Um, so, yeah, there was that. We talked a little bit about um, changes to Doomfist. This happened kind of right after um, right after her that we recorded our last episode. But um, Overwatch 2 Beta announced um, that's going to be dropping on April 26th. We already talked about it a little bit at the top of the show. But get in the beta if you can. Um, put your signups in. There's going to be some changes off the bat. They've confirmed that Doomfist has now... They they had kind of hinted that Doomfist might be a tank, but they've confirmed he is now going to be a tank. They've moved his abilities around a little bit to where he's less one-shot... He does less one-shot damage, um, less burst damage consistently. It's a lot more, I think, about positioning. Um, they've combined a couple of those things. So, like, the uppercut and seismic slam are now one move, from what I remember. Um, and you, you now have abilities where you um, can like at your at your base damage right now, you don't one shot people anymore. Um, but with one of your abilities, you're able to kind of um, soak in damage from different sources and convert that into attack damage that you can reach current levels of damage with. Yeah, you can only reach them, though. You can't go above them, if I remember correctly, too. Um if I remember right, they were saying it like made his play style, um, you know, you had to think a lot more about how you were using abilities and stuff and you couldn't just, you know, do your combo and get out. Yeah. So it, it, it's a more tactical version of Doomfist in a way. So there, there's definitely a lot more involved. And from what I heard, people were liking the changes that there were so far to Doomfist. So. um, And then one second. So. That happened. I do wonder if they're going to make his character model bigger because I feel like all the tanks are so much bigger and like stockier character model wise. And he still has he's a bulky DPS character, but it's not as big. So I'm wondering what they're going to do so that he just takes up more physical space on the battlefield as well. Maybe. I mean, he's already a pretty big character for a DPS. So 
I mean, if they wanted to make him bigger, that I don't think anybody's gonna complain if unless his like hitbox to like hit people is so big where it just makes it impossible to avoid him. I don't know. I don't know if you necessarily have to switch too much on his size. It might still work out well. Well, I think like the diagonal stance definitely helps too, like with how like he kind of squats out a little bit instead of just standing straight up. Yeah. So we got that. Um uh, Arissa's kids a little bit different. Um of well, not even a little bit, very different. Right now, the only ability she's keeping is her fortify ability. So no shields at all. Um, which now gives her additional HP. She also has received three new abilities, while um, which removed halt, supercharger, and her protective barrier. So she has a new ability called Energy Spear, and a javelin which knocks opponents back upon hit and deals additional damage when shoving them into a wall. Her new E ability, Spear Spin, destroys projectiles in front of Arissa, giving her additional movement speed and pushes enemies out of the way. Finally, her new ultimate, Terra Lance, pulls opponents toward Arissa in a large radius, reducing damage taken by her as she becomes immune to CC effects and channels the ability. The longer the ability is channeled, the more damage is dealt. So I think for one, making this instead, making Arissa more dynamic, the idea like you have a skill shot you have to hit, you have to be more um, aggressive with how you position yourself and how you're taking space, I think is a way more interesting way of playing that character. Yeah, I think so many of the complaints we heard about Arissa was like, you set down shield, you shoot for 30 seconds, set down another shield, shoot for 30 seconds, halt, like that it was very static. You didn't do a lot or there wasn't a lot of variety in the gameplay. So this definitely seems like there's a lot more nuance to playing here, especially now as you're adding a skill shot with the javelin and like having to freaking like spear people with it. Well, and not only that, you're, you know, one of the things that people weren't happy about, um, you think about things, specific abilities that people did not like in Overwatch 1 were stuns, right? Um, hard CC moves, right? So you give her knockback. Um, you don't give the pull. You don't give the the halt, which, you know, is one of the strongest abilities in the game, especially at the higher levels because of all of the comboing you could do with it and stuff, right? So you, you've taken away one of the things that people wanted removed for um, her for a long time because she had a mini grab, right, that she could throw out consistently. Um, you remove that ability and you give her abilities that push her into a, a direction where, like you said, it's a more active play style, but it's not as oppressive of a play style as Arissa was too. Because it wasn't just that that playing Arissa was a static play style, it was an oppressive play style that was combined with it. So you, you've changed how active the player is and you've also made it where there are different ways now that you can counter that where you're not kind of just stuck at the whim of whatever's happening to you. And now mm -hmm. the one ability that does draw people in is an ultimate. It's not. And we know ultimates are going to take longer to get and all of that. So it's not as um, oppressive of, of a thing happening in the game as often. If you're going to have those big oppressive abilities, they should be on super long cooldowns as an ultimate so yeah they're moving those sort of abilities in the right direction as far as where they're putting it on the character's kit and then they're giving other different tools that are at least avoidable to some degree it sounds like but also um change play styles of how you combine and do things together as a team too so i'm really curious to see how this all comes into play when we move forward into 5v5 and mm -hmm. and you have a lot more space that you're working with because you only have five teams and you're not, you know, it's not going to be a game based around shields anymore. Like that's something that's abundantly clear from everything that we're hearing. 
they've made i mean there has been rumors as well that like there's not even shields at all in this next build of overwatch which is fine well and it, I understand it for everybody except for Ryan. I really wonder what they're going to do for Ryan because at that point you're just—I feel like you're a sitting duck if you have zero. But we'll see with the charge changes and with the fire strike stuff. Who knows? Um, and then so a little some reviews of Sojourn so far um, has left a strong impression and is likely overtuned. Sources have advised that she would need to be adjusted down a notch as she currently dishes out an oppressive amount of damage through her railgun ability, allowing her to one one shot headshot 200 HP targets and her disruptor shot, a grenade like field that slows enemies in the area around it. Her power slide ability has both horizontal and vertical movement and is on a five second cooldown. In practice, it, it apparently plays like an improved and more fluid version of Baptiste's ex- exo boost. Hmm. Well, it sounds like <laughs> if that's true, that like a new character is going to have a kit that's overtuned and too strong and maybe they're going to have to change some abilities and whatever. It sounds like we're moving into like how kind of League of Legends is sometimes where a new character comes in and they sometimes they're like super overtuned and they're too good at the beginning. And then like when they hit pro play, they're like a, an immediate like first ban almost every time. Uh, I wonder if we're heading in that direction with new characters that come out for Overwatch. Say hey to Booger in the chat. Thanks for coming through, my dude. Always appreciate you. I know Booger is bummed because from what that he won't be able to play Arisa the same way anymore. I know it's his favorite hero and definitely not Wrecking Ball. Um, <laughs> so we know that we also know that there's a ping system that's been um, partially unveiled so far. That's going to be available in Overwatch 2. It's not as like. I haven't gotten to watch most of it in action. I got the impression it was almost like it was almost like a melding of like the um, what's it called? Like the wheel they currently have in the game. Yeah. Like the emo thing with like an actual pointer. So it's less of like it's not Apex Legends where you can just point and be like someone's over there or go here. It's more like a you point to somewhere and there's a specific thing you click to. Like a target this or jump here or heal this person. Um, I also saw something that like there's a possibility that people who have like fade effects like Moira are able to shed pings possibly, which is interesting. I don't know. That's I mean, I guess we'll have to see. <laughs> I, I I don't know what to think of that either way. So, yeah, lots of news for Overwatch 2. By the time you guys hear from us, well, I think. Lobo and I have been talking. We'll probably do another episode this month at the very least since Overwatch League is going to be starting probably by the time we start our next like our next episode that we normally would do. So we'll be doing another episode probably in a, in a week or two here as we get back to um, a new schedule. We even talked about this much, Lobosco, but I think with the way that our lives currently are going right now um, and the kind of the pace that stuff happens in the league during the season, we've talked about going to a biweekly schedule, I think. We've talked about it. We um, depending on on what happens, that that might be something we do. Um, we're we're kind of waiting to see some things first too. So uh, it might be the better decision. It might not. Uh, we're still kind of in in uh, waiting in the wings a little bit and going to figure that out here in these next couple of weeks. But that that sound probably more than likely what we're doing. I think it's one of those things where like that first month we're going to kind of figure out like how we really want to pivot and move things. Um, and then kind of once we get a week or two underneath our belts, we'll pivot from there. Um, so that's our Overwatch League and Overwatch news update for the past couple of weeks. Um, 
moving into our ABK news period, mm-hmm. um, there has been a couple of different um, major things. Um, Elizabeth Warren actually came out um, with a or in, drafted up a bill that was um, it was a prohibiting an anti-competitive mergers act um, with the idea of helping to prevent merging of companies that that inhibits competition that takes up too much of the market um people always like to throw the idea of disney buying up everybody but you look at it as well with just like i mean hey with all these different video game companies buying each other up the field is getting more and more there's less and less major players in the field it feels like so um the where is it come on it removed the hyperlink i apologize to you labosco um yeah, so Code CWA um, put out, came out in support of the the prohibiting yeah, prohibiting anti-competitive mergers act ahead of a critical FTC review of the Microsoft Activision deal. That that deal is kind of coming under more review um, in the time at the time of the recording this and kind of going forward. It's becoming the FTC is actually starting to take a real look at it as like things start kind of as they move along the path to actually merging the two companies. Microsoft has uh, made clear that they're not going to stand in the way of Activision Blizzard as far as their decision, whether or not they recognize a union um, from their corporate vice president and general counsel, Lisa Tanzi, um, in a statement to The Washington Post. A lot of this is saying is that there's a lot more scrutiny that's coming to this deal is basically the biggest thing. And obviously, Microsoft saying they're not going to stand in the way is, well, one you know, they're doing everything they can to make sure this deal goes through. Um, standing in the way of a union that's, you know, if you're doing some union busting tactics and you're trying to have the FTC uh, be OK with what you're doing, that's probably not the best idea to do, you know, is to stand in the way of something like this happening. And there, there's still so much that needs to happen here, too, for the deal to get through, for um, the the union to to fully become a thing there's so much that needs to happen right now mm-hmm. microsoft respects activision blizzard's employees right to choose whether to be represented by a labor organization and we will honor those decisions and it kind of recaps events that we've talked about over the past couple of months it definitely seems the vibe we're getting from microsoft is that they are trying to keep themselves out of it for as long as possible um trying to kind of leave it up to Bobby and company to kind of get things done on their end so that they don't have to make any sort of decisions or they don't have to actually put in at all. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of weird things. Cause like Activision never uh, responded to a deadline set by um, the organizing workers um, to reach an agreement. Um, so uh, the, because of that, the workers filed for a union election um, with the national labor relations boards board excuse me um so there's a a date i don't know if they even have a date yet but they're waiting for a judge to rule on who the eligible group of workers are who can vote um on the union because once that happens then you'll have a vote of whether they become a union or not and based on the vote will will depend on whether they actually officially form their union Mm -hmm. in the eyes of the law so there, there's that whole process that's kind of going on in the background while a lot of this other stuff is happening too. Um, basically, some of it is just a stall tactic from Activision to apply as much pressure as possible on the people who would be affected the most, the workers, 
to have them not be on that side whenever the vote comes, but also they don't really have to rush to make this happen because it doesn't benefit them to make it happen. And um, they don't really have good good uh, ways of stopping it from happening either, unless they can, you know, do some crazy union busting tactic that gets all of their workers to decide, oh, we don't need a union, which obviously isn't the case. Mm hmm. When you're looking around the country right now, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of union activity picking up steam with Starbucks. Uh, Amazon, actually, as we're talking about this, had a there's a major union victory of, I think, in New York with the Amazon warehouse. Um, there's a lot of union activity right now, which, look, I have heard plenty of people talk about like, well, the idea is like you don't need a union if the company is working honestly like as when you're working honestly with your employees and you like are coming like with good intentions at the table it's like great that's awesome um we d don't trust a like no way in the world do you trust a corporation to do that no well it's sort of like it's sort of like why does a company incorporate anyways right yeah w what is what is the reason that they do it do you know do you know the reason why they do it so they can be legally legally represented as a person and not necessarily have to deal with all the and they not well, don't have well, to deal blame to any specific people in general. Right, exactly. The company liability. That's why they do it. Right. They don't. An individual person does not want to be liable. Right. That's why you you incorporate a union. Sort of a similar thing. Right. Um, it is to help with the liability of. It, it is a a safeguard uh, for you as an employee to make sure that your employer is doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. That they, they can't take advantage of you, that you have more power than you would normally have as an individual because you are now a collective group that does things together, right? Sort of the same reasons why you, you incorporate a company because you don't want to have all of the liability to fall just onto you. Hey, Bob, good to see you in chat. Yeah, and that way, it, we've seen a lot of activity pick up with it um, over the past couple of months. Just in general, like it's people who are only paying attention to the gaming sphere might think this is just something happening with Activision Blizzard and with Ubisoft, maybe a couple other smaller companies. But in general, we're seeing this happen almost across the entire like big corporate sphere. So, and now that especially the Activision stuff is getting kind of more government attention like we talked about at the beginning we'll talk about later um it's going to be in not even just like our conversation but the the public conversation a lot more too it, it's already because of how big of a company activision blizzard is and and microsoft is there's already sort of been that entrance into the collective zeitgeist of the country um as far as outside of the gaming world so you have a little bit more of that happening when you have you know senator warren putting out a tweet saying that they, you know, talking about Activision's history of unchecked worse workplace conduct and discrimination, um, and then wanting the FTC to, to closely scrutinize this merger, right? So when you have those sort of things happening, um, yeah, that you're, you're going to have a lot more eyes on you if a senator is, is using their platform to talk about these things. Well, she's also calling. She's tapping in the assist from um, what's it called from from Bernie and from a couple Bernie, others. Cory Booker, and uh, who's the other one? 
Glenn Whitehouse, I think, Sheldon Whitehouse, who is the senator for somewhere. Um, and the FTC to closely scrutinize the merger because if the merger of quote, if the merger with Activision with Microsoft happens, conditions for workers could get worse. Um, and I think that comes from the idea, at least in my purview, please tell me if you think I'm wrong. It comes from this idea that like it's passing the buck, right? Once this happens, we already know that like there's not going to be enough roles to just merge these two teams together. There isn't. Right. But also the idea of like, oh, well, stuff stuff is going to get, quote, lost in the cracks as stuff moves in. It just always does. Whenever yeah. you do anything like this. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pa- passing the buck. So Activision Blizzard can be like, well, it's not our problem anymore. Like we it's over. We're with the new company. That was the past. Things are different. And you can just ignore what precedents have been set. Which is why you have them take a closer look at it and you have them scrutinize it the way that the FTC can because they have the power to hold these companies accountable for whatever's going to happen, right? So th- there is definitely a lot more that can happen as a result of this. Um, Speaking it- of all that, actually, there was um, an email that leaked from earlier this week from Brian Bulata, who's um, a major corporate, I think. I don't know if it's president of the company right now, but he's like a major big guy for them. Um, sending a mass email um, confirming that they are going to be moving everyone back into office or well, I'm sorry, on a team by team basis, welcoming more people back to the office uh, effective immediately. We are lifting our vaccine mandate for all us employees. This means that employees no longer need to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 to return to the office um, in compliance with, <laughs> What was it called? In compliance with uh, the state of California and with other um, things on that nature. Look, Orange County is super conservative about those kinds of things. They've been out of masks for a super long time. Does not the local the local ordinance? This thing is dumb because, like, from what we've even joked about, like that there's a, t- a lot of people who at least represent employees for ABK don't necessarily identify with that kind of background. Who are yeah. people who? Most of the reactions I've seen are from people who have been very upset because, again, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? That just because you are just because you're already vaccinated um, does not mean and just because a lot of people are vaccinated does not mean the risk is over for a lot of people. Most specifically, people who are immunocompromised or people who ha- are still really susceptible to getting sick and being majorly affected or even like worse. I think. From- yeah. And, and and the reason why this is such a thing is because, OK, if you are vaccinated and you are boosted, which you and I think are both both of those. Right. I'm I know I'm boosted. You're boosted as well. Right. I thought mm. I, I couldn't remember if you got your booster shot or not. Whatever. I'm me. I'm still waiting on it right now because I can't, if I leave work, uh, my business will crumble without me. So I am trying to get it scheduled. Right. But it's not a big deal. Right. But mm. you've 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 been vaccinated. You, you are yes. more protected than the average person. Right. But that's protecting you from getting the virus that has nothing to do with spreading. Right. The the problem that people kind of forget about the fact with covid is that the, the, the vaccine's job is to make it where you don't die. If yeah. You get the virus. Unfortunately, the vaccines that we have, they're not ones that are stopping the spread because you can still get it. Now, that's because of the way that the variations work and things like that. That's why there's a couple of other vaccines that might be coming out in the future that we all might be getting because they will be able to handle other variants better than the ones that we currently have. So fingers crossed for that, number one. But number two, 
immune compromised people. If you're immune compromised, that means you probably can't get the vaccine. That's why you're immune compromised, right? You know, uh, we're, we're streaming this on Twitch as we are, um, you know, you might be listening to this at a different time, but we stream live on Twitch when we do this. Twitch is a platform that has a very famous immune compromised person who, if this person got it, an iron mouse, she'd be dead. She'd be dead. Mm. Like no shot because of the the things that she has already as far as what she deals with on a day to day basis. Like those are the people who are kind of getting left in the dust right now as a result of all of this happening. And um, really quickly to uh, chief administrative officer is Brian Bellato's uh, official role with Activision Blizzard, just to throw it out there. But like, that's the thing that people aren't considering here. And there are some people who maybe they're fine, but maybe they live with somebody who's immune compromised. What mm. are they supposed to do? They can't just go back to work where they now are going to potentially being somewhere where they can get it a lot more easily because there are people who are unvaccinated, which means that those people are going to have more severe symptoms. And there's at least a drop in. Um, I, I don't remember what the drop is. It's not major. But there is a difference in spread as far as somebody who's vaccinated versus somebody unvaccinated. That's still a true thing. But still, you're you're putting your 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 workers might not necessarily have to worry about this, but they might have a family member who does. Um, where is it? As we define what the future of work looks like, I want to remember. I want to remind us all of the benefits of in-person collaboration in order to ensure we all have a safe workspace where we can gather with colleagues and innovate together. It is essential we stay. Committed to protecting ourselves and others, or is it over the next few weeks, you'll receive additional updates on what return to the office looks like from your business unit or site leader. While we look forward to your return, we recognize you may have personal circumstances you'd like to discuss with your manager and HRBP. Um, so they are kind of trying to kick the can a little bit where it's like, oh, well, like it's it'll be based on like what um, what your unit or what your site wants to do. But again, that takes away the power of choice from the actual people who are going to be affected, like the actual people who may be immunocompromised yeah. or related to someone. Like if I still make the choice, like if I make the choice that you and five other people will have to come back in, you, you're the one who's affected, even though I'm personally fine with it. Like even if I'm personally fine with like a circumstance, you're still, you have to deal with it no matter what. And it sounds yeah. like according to people who work for the company who have responded underneath, um, that as far as we know, all employees will be returning to office, even those who join the company during the pandemic as the remote workers. With no vaccine mandate, this means increased infections and a dangerous situation for immunocompromised folks. Even if they allow people to work from home by asking about personal circumstances, people shouldn't have to go into detail about their disability, chronic illness, or whatever the situation is unless they want to share that. Yeah, they shouldn't have to share that information. Exactly. Um, and, and that's what kind of makes this difficult and makes this kind of ridiculous and dumb. From the side of Activision Blizzard, you know, it's like you think that they're done. Uh, not, not that you think that they're done, but you're like, OK, how many more dumb things can come out from them? And then they just continue. They just. Yeah. Continue. Hey, Nomad. Good to see you, bud. Sneaky wave. Ooh, I have not seen the email before. Good to see you guys. Um, So that already happened. And like you said, more stuff even came out Um, a little bit before that. A new sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuit was levied against the company um, from an article from Video Games Chronicle um, filed by an attorney in the L.A. County Superior Court on behalf of a current employee. Um, 
For years, the lawsuit reads, for years, Activision Blizzard's open frat boy environment fostered rampant sexism, harassment, and discrimination with 700 reported incidents occurring under CEO Robert, Robert Kotick's watch. The, the um, person in question who joined the company in 2017 um, claims she was regularly pressured to drink alcohol and participate in lewd games. She also says female employees are regularly subjected to sexual comments and groped by male colleagues during alcohol-fueled cube crawls around the office. She alleges that complaints about excessive drinking sexual advances made by her supervisors were explained away as leadership being nice and trying to be friends with her. She also claims to have not been told have been told to not air her concerns due to the reputational damage it could have on the company. Having failed multiple attempts to escape to a new job in a different department, says she was eventually offered another role with a lower status and significant salary to decrease after complaining directly to ex-Blizzard president Jay Allen Brack. Um, and then seeking a number of court orders, including the introduction of a rotating HR department to combat conflicts of interest and the firing of Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick. Um, Activision Blizzard recently said it's having problems attracting new employees and retaining existing ones and that its recruitment struggles are likely to be exacerbated by ongoing litigation and bad press. Um, you think? <laughs> yeah. It's like, really? Hmm. Shocker. So it's sorry. I just wanted something. It's just it doesn't stop. It continues to happen. And and this is in current employee, too. This isn't like somebody who's left the company. This is somebody who currently works for Blizzard who, you know, obviously they, they've gotten to a point where, where they are so tired of it that they are now coming forward. And at least for them, they're able to, for the moment, keep themselves a Jane Doe. But you know that people who work there are going to figure it out. Of course. So it's like, you know, anonymity. I always struggle with anonymity. Anonymity? Yeah, anonymity can only take you so far. Something has to happen. Something, you know, this is probably another one that'll be settled before anything happens. Well, let's talk about that because they are settling an $18 million sexual harassment lawsuit with the EEOC, which I'm trying to remember, I think is the equal. We had talked about this before. It's the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, that I just, so Activision Blizzard is settling an $18 million sexual harassment lawsuit with the Eagle Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, a judge said Tuesday she would approve California State Agency D, uh, Department of Fair Employment and Housing tried to delay the settlement. But Judge Dale Fisher sign, insisted she would sign and told them to talk to the Ninth Circuit. Um, a judge approved an $18 million settlement between them and the so it's been officially settled. Um, they had I remember I don't have the tweet in front of me. Anyone who worked at ABK between September 1st, 2016 to present day can submit a claim specifically about sexual harassment, retaliation, or pregnancy discrimination. The EEOC settlement is opt-in only, so claimants have to submit paperwork to be considered for relief. Those who choose to become part of the EEOC settlement will be waiving their rights to be part of California State Agency's lawsuit on the specific issues of harassment, retaliation, or pregnancy discrimination. If they have other claims, for instance, pay inequity, which isn't covered by the agreement, these former or current ABK employees can still continue with the California state suit. It's interesting. Like, so not interesting. It's it's really crappy because for one, they've talked about like how this would spread out, I guess, along the. um, The amount of employees who were part of the suit, and it was something really small, like the actual number was like really small as far as who would like. 
comparatively because what it was like 18 million based on the number of people with claims are you talking about yeah i remember seeing it was a tweet i don't remember what the, the setting was but it wasn't that much um and then it really kind of what's most frustrating too is when you look at this it, the judge really comes across as like she just pretty much was like all right i'm over it let's just move on to something else let's shut this down well this is an agreement though so this is also the eoc coming to this agreement this isn't like the judge just made a decision mm. you know what i mean they this was a settlement this wasn't mm. the judge just getting it over with like that's not how a settlement works you know if you come to a settlement and you come to the judge with it the judge goes okay they they don't say no you need to do better that's that's not really the ju- judge's job at that point in a settlement you know they're not a mediator in this sort of um situation you know they're they're more there to make sure that everything falls within the lines of whatever needs to happen for the settlement to be legal that's more of what they do in this sort of role it is not their job to say that uh, the EEOC needs to go back and get more money, right? That's on the EEOC. Mm. Um, so yeah, the the judge sort of getting this over with makes sense if, if everything falls into place the way that it's supposed to legally. Um, now, I think if there's somewhere to put uh, to be disappointed in, you look at the EEOC and you think, okay, only $18 million is all you got. And based on the number of people, like, yeah, sure, they probably get a decent amount each of them. But at the same time, now you are no longer part of the and I forget the other uh, governing body in California who DFEH, right? I think the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Yes. So so the the big part about this is that like part of um, an argument that Activision Blizzard can use against the DFEH is like, well, we're already doing this part for this specific thing. So basically they can have. Uh, whatever's going on in that part of the lawsuit, they can sort of have that part stricken potentially. It's not necessarily what can happen. Um, you know, it's going to depend on what a judge decides if it comes to to an actual court case or not between Activision Blizzard and the DFEH, right? Um, the DFEH definitely seems to be wanting more money to be given out by Blizzard for everything that has happened. Um, and that's why their lawsuit is taking longer. So there, there's a lot that can happen with this. Um, this definitely can be a blow. It might not necessarily, but it does feel like the EOC just kind of took the low offer and was okay with it. And that's a little bit disappointing, but at the same time, um, it's th- th- there's more than just the money part that actually has to happen. And those other parts if Blizzard doesn't do, um, there could be repercussions against Activision Blizzard. Anyways, um, it's a three-year agreement that this uh, th- or th- this this uh, agreement would be in effect for three years. Uh, if Activision doesn't comply, EOC could seek all uh, other fo- can seek forms all forms of relief, including monetary or sanctions in an extreme case, um, and that if uh, compliance is not up to standards, they could ask for an extension as well. Now, part of the agreement, too, has that they are uh, Activision is required to expand mental health counseling services and new personal and a new personal evaluation process. Now, what does that actually end up being, I think, is the bigger question right now from this lawsuit than the fact that it's happening. Mm -hmm. 
which obviously we won't know until we hear something about it because obviously you know the, the settlement just happened so whatever um sort of way they decide to comply for that is something that'll probably take a little bit more time before we actually hear officially how blizzard is implementing those things that they are supposed to from the eeoc's uh, agreement in the settlement yeah and I, we're, there will be like you and i've talked about there will be more suits that come in there will be more stuff that comes up because mm-hmm. oh yeah it's it with the culture that we've heard that we we know was here we already know so much about what things were like but you have to imagine just how much that we don't know that we may never know yeah that it gets buried under things that gets put away it's um yeah we'll continue to monitor as it keeps coming up um you'll be hearing from us soon as far as overwatch league stuff should be popping up in the next uh couple weeks as we kind of mar- as we round the corner into season five, my dude, four, we're almost there, almost there to our season year. four, yeah, fourth year for us. Wow, we're the last ones. I mean, we like I, we might be the last ones standing. There's plat chat, there's tactical crouch, and somewhere on an island, a little bit, probably a, a good ocean underneath that. There's you and me, buddy. So happy to be here. <laughs> of course. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for hanging out for episode 131 of Push the Point. Uh, if you want to f- help us out, or maybe not help us out, if you want to hang out, the best thing we can do is... I Okay, let me start over with that, because I jumped into like one thing. I was like, no, 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 no. We contact the show at the end. So I moved up one. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We do the Discord after the reviews. So I, I'm in a whole mess today. Um if you want to help us out, best thing you can do is leave a review on iTunes or Spotify. Those five stars really help us out, make it easier for people to find us. Uh, and it's, let's, it lets us know what you guys like about the show and what we can make better. We are always looking for things to do to make the show a little bit better. Plus, we read out every new review on show. And if we don't see your review, let us know and uh, we'll make sure it gets read out here so you can see our reactions to it. Um, mm-hmm. I know in the past I've had people complain about me playing with them in ranked or my poor performance in game night. That really tends to be what it is. It's mostly people being like, this show was fun. And then another report being like, he didn't carry me a game night. So five star like review, that. but he didn't carry me in game night. It's like, oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, if you want to hang out with us, a good place to do that is at our discord, which is the MTB mash those buttons community discord discord.me slash mash those buttons to do that and it keeps you up to date with all your favorite shows from the network a few of which you're going to hear about right after we're done so stick around for that uh, we also have changes that have been happening to the patreon i don't have those in front of me but there is the patreon uh, patreon.com slash mash those buttons uh, go there to check it out um, there's some cool stuff that's happening over there um i think it's more so now just about support but again i think supporting specific shows i think this is how it's sort of changing now um i don't remember all of the details but that has changed as well we'll make sure to have the the specifics for you next time at pushpoint pod to follow the twitter of the show push the point at gmail.com to email us if you would so like to do that yes sir if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Ramsey's underscore OW. You can find Lobosco at Lobosco. That's L-O-B-O-S-C-O. Do you hear my that's my blazing my blazing Bob semi impersonation? I, I heard that O-S-C-O on Twitter. Um, if you need any if you ever need to get caught up on One Piece or anything that the Bears are doing, just follow Lobosco. He's my current feed for everything that related to that. I mean, 
I, I don't post spoilers for One Piece, though. No, I'm at least no, good don't. about that. I just know you'll know if something's exciting is happening because I will be gushing about it on Twitter. That's basically what it is. And the Bears, I haven't really I don't know. The Bears are weird right now. It, it's going to be a rough year this coming year again. So, um, yeah, thanks for reminding me about that. The rebuild one year too late, my friend. Yeah, one year too late, exactly. Alrighty, thanks for hanging out for episode 131 of Push the Point. We'll see you guys soon as we round the corner into Overwatch League time. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord.